I mean, so if God is love and the love of Jesus, we need to learn some things. And I mean, I'm 61 years old and I'm still learning. Never stop learning. Never think you've arrived. If you think you've arrived, something wrong there because pride comes before the fall. Uh, I mean, you know what I'm saying? We need in heaven. Do you know what we do down here is going to determine what we do up there? That's a whole nother lesson. But really, I mean, how we handle ourselves down here is going to really determine how we spend eternity. But love endures. We look in 1 Corinthians at 13, talks about love. That's the love chapter. It goes through all these things about love. But we just don't get coddled by it. You know, God loves you. We know God is love. And, and we will pray, God, wrap your big arms of love around us. But, you know, life, there's issues. Everybody's got issues in life. If you say you never have issues, that's your first issue. But we, you know, we get corrected by love. Love is bringing correction. You know, I, I, I don't... Does it, I, I don't think anybody really likes correction uh, in ways, but we all need correction. And some, really, if we're honest, once it's corrected and we've been corrected on it, it's a lot better. So it's okay, but we get challenged by love. Love challenges us to love the unlovely or maybe see ourselves in a way we didn't see ourselves. We get pushed by it, and we are, we are called to live by it. And it's perfecting us. Did you know that, that God is working in your life to help you to become more and more like Jesus. I, I wrote this in here. The Lord is not obligated to give us what we want when we want. I listened to a, a comedian the other day, and uh, he, I've talked to him personally on the phone, and, and it wasn't Bob Smiley. Bob Smiley, we, we love Bob. Bob's going to come back to see us. We're actually trying to schedule something for Bob again. He's like, when can I come? And so we're looking at that for this next year. <laughs> but this is another uh, comedian, and he, he's, he tells a story how God gives you life lessons. You know, you're kind of right in the middle of it, and you learn something. But he said he, it's 3 in the morning, and his, and his little son wakes him up. And his son is just like 3 years old. So Mal might appreciate this as well, because Arrow's 2. But he wakes up, and he's like, Daddy! 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 And he's like, oh. He goes in there, and the little boy gets up, and he goes, I want chocolate milk now, please. <laughs> and he goes, buddy, this is night-night time. We're not, we're not doing chocolate milk. And so the little boy goes, I want chocolate milk now, please. <laughs> and he's like, buddy, no, no, no. You, I'll give you all the chocolate milk you want in the morning. But now it's night-night time. He said the little boy drops down to his knees and says, Daddy, chocolate milk now, please. He's like, nobody in the morning. And the little, he said his little son lay down and goes, okay, daddy, and rolled over and went to sleep. And so he's walking down the steps to his bedroom. He said his wife's in his bedroom was the master on the first. The kids were upstairs. And he said, and God stopped him. And he said that was a God moment where he said he didn't hear him audibly but said to him, that's kind of like what we do to God. We said, God, I want it now. Please but we don't always get what we want. Do we want it? When we want it and how we want it. Because there was a time, you know, there's a season. And there's some times that, you know, that God is, if he give you what you want, you'd get leanness of soul. You know, you, sometimes we're not ready for what we think we are ready for. So we find some things that are happening here. Maybe you could even say divine delays. Divine delays. But God only gives us good things. And he uses things to stretch us. 
he helps us with our faith. And that's what's happening here in John 11. 11, 1 through 12, this is the story. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. And this is Mary, who later poured out the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet. You remember that story. And wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus, sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, I'm reading right from the word here, Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day during the day. People can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there's danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I'll go wake him up. Disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll get better soon. It's interesting to me that Jesus called Lazarus to his disciples our friend. And this implies, and this is one of those things I want to pull out of this scripture, that if you've ever been somewhere and you don't know the person, but you know they know the Lord, come on. And because they know Jesus, you have an immediate connection. There is a connection in the spirit. There's a connection that you go, I get that. I don't know them personally, but I feel something that, that we're connected by the Lord. And that's what Jesus is implying. Our friend, uh, Lazarus. So that's pretty cool. And Jesus was Lazarus' friend. He'd gotten sick. Lazarus had gotten sick. This doesn't imply whether he had the vaccination or not or a booster. So there's no implication of any of that. <laughs> Just so you know. But uh, Lazarus' sister, Mary, his sisters, Mary and Martha, uh, sent word for Jesus to help. But the Bible says Jesus waited. He waited two days before heading that way. So the first thought that we're looking at today is delay is not denial. Because some things don't happen when we want them. doesn't mean they're not going to happen. It just means they might happen at the a correct time. And you might not know the time. Jesus is coming back. I don't know the time. But it, I want him to come back. I would like him to come back now. Because, I mean, you know, as much as I love earth, but wouldn't heaven be awesome and we could all be there together? That, You know, we'd have a shouting match there. But so Jesus, he waits. He doesn't come. So let's just put this in today's. Jesus didn't make the calling hours. He didn't go to the calling hours. He didn't go to the funeral. He didn't make the dinner afterwards if there was. He didn't do any of that. And then it's interesting before he heads that way, he tells his disciples that he waited for them, for their benefit. So he's helping their faith. John eleven fourteen 14, and 15 says, So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there, for now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. So they need it. They need encouragement. They needed to see this happen. Can I just say, you know, sometimes we, we are very hard on ourselves. As disciples of Jesus, we're very, these dudes, these dudes walked with him. These guys are walking with the man. I mean, you can't get more anointed than Jesus. You talk about a good, I mean, this is God on foot, God in the flesh. And they're like, okay, well, you know, hey. They're having doubts. They, they struggle. And I'm, you know, I'm not trying to give us excuses, but I'm thinking if disciples struggled, you're human. That doesn't mean it's okay. I'm just saying you're human. Don't be so hard on yourself. Thank God God is bigger than that. 
So here's Thomas. Thomas, in verse 16 of 11, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go to die with Jesus. He's the Eeyore of the group. Well, we'll probably get stoned. They were going to stone him. Let's go die. I hope I get hit in the head. I'll go quicker. I mean, how do you like to have that guy in there? And Jesus picked these guys. He picked Judas. And Judas was taken from the treasury. So when Jesus sees and talks to Martha, he promises that Lazarus will live again. Now, he's been dead. You've got to understand, he's, he's been dead four days in the natural. John eleven twenty four. 24. Martha says kind of what we'd say, but not in the lingo that we might say. Duh. Yeah. But she says, yeah, he's going to rise when everybody else rises on the last day. Hello. That's my emphasis added. <laughs> Brings us to our second thought. Deeper than doctrine. Sometimes we just think it's got to be doctrine traditional. It has to, we have to figure, God has to do something this way or it's just not going to work. So she writes things off in her own mind. Have you ever done that? This is how the Lord's going to do it if he doesn't do it this way. You know, when Jesus came into Jerusalem before they crucified him, they didn't even know. They were looking for him to come a different way. But he came riding on a donkey and they, you know, and they were Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest and all. But some of the higher people up are just, they're not receiving it because they expected a different entrance. But Jesus sets her straight. 11, 25, 26, he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? See, she believes and she wants to believe. And I think that's us, don't we? We all want it. Well, God, I just, can I see it? How do people see it? And I don't see it. I want to see it. I want to believe. It's kind of like the kid on Polar Express. I believe, I believe. But we only see things in the natural realm sometimes because we are seeing it with what we have to see with. Our physical eyes, our ears, our, all of our five senses. And that is what we base our fact in our Life on that. Well, I, I, you know, I, I saw him die. I was right by his bed when he, Jesus, you weren't here, remember? I saw him die. I know he's going to live again in the last day. They all, we're all going to rise again. Yes, I know that's the promise. You know, think about her mindset right about now. Her mindset is not like, oh. Her mindset is she's upset. She's lost her brother. Why didn't he come sooner? There's all kinds of things going in through her mind. But I want us to shift our faith from doctrine to the doctor. Jesus is the doctor. There's a difference. We can believe in sound doctrine. There's nothing wrong with believing doctrine. You know, this is what the Bible states, and obviously we believe the Bible. And God's not going to do anything out of that word, so let me make that clear. So I want to make that straight. So I'm not saying God's going to do something free willy, and, and, and there's no record of it in the Bible. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in our own self. We, we have our own feelings of how this thing should go. <clears throat> we believe that God can raise the dead. If we believe in the power of the doctrine, power, we, we got to have some kind of guideline. I get it. The Bible is the word of God and the, the truth in life. We, we get it. So it gives us our guideline. It is the, the plumb line that is snapped. There is no false in this. I understand we have to have that. We need the word of God to guide us. But do we also believe that the word of God has a person and the power of Jesus Christ behind that word? 
And so we have to believe that he can revive a dead heart. He can restore a dead marriage. He can break an addiction. He can deliver the demoniac. He can heal the sick. He can make the blind see. He can make the lame walk. He can set the captives free. He still does today what he did back then. That's my Jesus. Does God believe in doctrine? Does he believe in the word? Yes, he wrote it. And in Hebrews 13, 8 says he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So in his person, in his power, in his presence, in his protection, in his prosperity, I believe in his passion for the lost. There's nothing that Jesus can't do. My wife will tell me all the time, it's not impossible if God is involved. With God, all things are possible to him that believe. It doesn't say all things but. We have to get past our human self. You know, that's sometimes the biggest person in this whole story of life. we got to get past us. Our third thought for this morning. Doubt and unbelief don't have any place. Verse 35, we see Jesus weep. This is when our king cries. Jesus, it says, I had a guy, I had a kid had to quote scripture. That's the one they always want to quote. Jesus wept. Don't study too hard. That's, that's pretty tough. The people who were standing nearby, they said, see how much he loved him. Now, again, I'm going back to a normal response. He's coming in. Lazarus has been dead four days. Things are starting to happen. He sees Mary and Martha. He says he's going to live again. Yes, I know he's going, you know, and we went through that whole scenario. Then he says he wept. The people who were standing said, see how he loved him. Now, chapter 7 States Jesus shouting in, that, in the book of John. Chapter 11, Jesus cries. He also shouts again after he cries later on down, but he cries. The people naturally said, man, he really cared for Lazarus. I want you to think about this for a second. Jesus knew when he got the word, he knew what was going on. He, he prophesied, he already said they thought he was talking about Lazarus is asleep, and he's not. He was saying no. But he knew he was going to raise him. How many believe that? Because he's already said he's going to raise him. He already said that. So he waited. Listen to what I'm telling you. He waited on purpose. There is a reason for the delay. And I'll tell you why I believe he cried. I believe he cried, it was because of the people's unbelief. That's why I believe he cried. He, was, he wants people to see the kingdom and live in victory, just like he does today. And these people, all they're doing is living in the carnal, in their sense realm. You have bigger things in you than just living flesh. That's your carnal. Body, soul, spirit. You know, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your spirit is what's connected to God when you get born again. Then your mind and your will and your emotions get all involved in that, and your body just kind of follows suit. Andrew Womack says you get your, your spirit and your, your, your body and your mind, you know, your soul invested in that, your spirit and your soul, your body will follow because majority wins, two out of three. Think about it. It kind of makes sense. If I can get my mind set, we've talked about focus and all that. Jesus is crying because... 
you, you still aren't getting it. I'm here. He tells Mark, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. I can do this. This is going to happen. He's upset because he's, people are just like, oh my. There's a lot of things sometimes I think when it comes to God, we just don't catch on. I'm guilty of it too. He orders the stone to be moved. I think that should have said something to Martha. Why would he move the stone if he's not going to do anything? Think about that. She doesn't still catch it. It went right over her head. She says she's not catching it. And she says, he's been dead for four days. He's going to smell. New King James says it. He's stinking. John eleven thirty nine 39 says, roll the stone aside. He told him, Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. He calls Lazarus out by name, John eleven forty three. 43. He shouted, Lazarus, come out. Now, there's speculation here, and we've all heard this. Why did he say, why didn't he just say, come out? Because if he would have said, come out, everybody in the graveyard would have said, oh, wait, hey, party. But so he had to call Lazarus by name, so just one would come. But one, a couple verses before that, this is one, some of my favorite, and I wanted to just share it with you. 41 and 42, they rolled the stone aside. Jesus looked up to heaven, and he said, I love this. Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. I want that just to sink in. Thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. I am... I try to be the best father that I can be and the best husband that I can be, but sometimes I can hear and not listen. You know what I'm saying? Or I'm not really hearing. I'm not really listening either, you know, and he's saying this. He's making a statement. God, you hear me. You always hear me. And he says this. He said, I I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so they'll believe you sent me. What would that have looked like? A body shuffling out wrapped in grave clothes. What would that have looked like? Especially if you were there before Jesus came and you saw him die. What would that have looked like to see him come out? There would have been people like, he's not coming, he's not coming. It's like if you're a sports fan, it's fourth and inches and they're going for it. And you're like, there are people out there, they're not going to make it. No, it's not going to happen. And there's other people, come on, come on, come on. You know, there's probably both sides battling there. Oh, he's not. I saw him die. Oh, he's dead. He smells. He's dead. And him to come out. Now, I think if we look at this in a different realm, I think in those that are watching online, we can look at Lazarus as almost representing a new believer. Jesus is calling your name. You might like, he's not calling my name. Yes, he is. I don't care what you've done, where you've been. He is calling your name. And when we come to Christ, we're given new life. So no matter what we were involved in before, we can come out of that if we're listening. And we put our hand to it and we make the decision, yes, I'm coming. And so when we are born again, we are kind of really raised from the dead spiritually. The Bible says old things are passed away, all things become new. But we are getting a new life. We are new creatures in Christ. But we have so many things on us, so many things wrapped around us, our old mindset. Now, some of that is passing away, yes, 
It is passing away. Some things are happening instantaneously. How many have experienced God just delivering you out of something and like, boom, it's gone? That's amazing. Other things, because of our own mindset, they stay on, and it's just we have to get the enemy to loosen his grip. So it takes some pressure from the kingdom because the enemy's going to make sure you really want what you're saying you want. How many understand what I'm saying? He's going to push your buttons. God, I need patience. I need it right now. How's, how's God going to give you patience? There's going to be opportunities for you to exercise that fruit that needs developed. Maybe you're still stuck in sinful habits, wrong mindsets, maybe some bondage, maybe just fear, bad attitude, maybe a wrong perspective. God's never done, I've never seen that that way before. But these are all, can I just say, these are all grave clothes. Because our minds, we're not, you know, this is what we do as church, and this is where we fail. Those that aren't in church, we expect people that aren't in church to be and act a certain way. Why would we expect that? They've never been in church. And that sometimes the ways that we act in church, I wouldn't want to act that way either. And so their opinion of church is how they, in the natural realm, see us and how we respond hypocritically or judgmentally or pharisaically or whatever you want to say. But God is bigger than that. So when we come out of the grave... Sometimes we still have stuff wrapped around us. We still have old mindsets. We still have hurts that happened before, but we know that we're, we're on to something. Something is happening. Something is losing its grip. I am feeling something different, and I'm experiencing something, some peace that I never had before. When I first got saved, it was like a million tons of bricks fell off my shoulder that I really didn't realize how much they weighed till I didn't carry them anymore. When I was much, much heavier, I didn't realize how much it affected my physical activity of doing anything until I lost weight and then realized one day I was walking actually to Myers probably to pick Maddie up and I realized my, my gait was different when I was walking. And I was like, oh my. Didn't even dawn on me before. You see, sometimes we don't know what we're missing until it goes. And then we're glad that it went. If it's a sinful habit or something, then we're like, I'm free of that. Grave clothes. Sometimes they're taken off just a layer at a time. Sometimes they're just all taken off. We did a thing for youth one time where we took a kid and we wrapped him in toilet paper. Just used the whole roll till they looked like a mummy. And then when we told them to break out, they just broke out, you know. And, and for whatever reason, that illustration is good for now because sometimes we just need, we just need God to intervene. But we, we don't let him, do we? We want him. We ask him. But when he comes in to do anything, sometimes we're like, I don't. That's a little, no. Can you step back and do it from back there? But what if he wants to come in and do it from here? You see, grave clothes. You need to get those off. Can I tell you, when Lazarus came out of the, out of the grave, what still smelled? Grave clothes. Lazarus did not. I'm, I'm my own speculation. Lazarus got some arid extra dry somewhere. <laughs> he got some body wash or something. But the grave clothes... 
we got to get those off. So how do we get grave clothes off? And then who's responsible to help with that? It's our last thought for this morning. That is the duty of the disciples. And we failed, and we need to get it back. We need, as disciples of Jesus Christ, to treat people with love. Now, that doesn't mean we endorse everything they want to do or that we love that. We have to say yes, so that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, you know, you can do, you can correct and do it in love. Sometimes that's hard, but still it is possible. Jesus did it. But he tells us in 1144, the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in a grave, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, who's them? The disciples and the people that are there, the Jesus followers that are there, unwrap him and let him go. So God gives you the spiritual life. He gives you the ability to be free. Now, we have a part to play. Lazarus is going to have to walk that out and get those grave clothes off, but disciples or the disciples of Christ have to help take those off. People that come to Jesus, they need people that have been walking with Jesus. Loose them from their past. You know, sometimes... And many times there's people in here, you've been delivered from something and God will use that to help somebody else that's going through that. And you know what it's like. That's why sometimes there's there's bikers that go back right into the, you know, whatever they were in before that was, and there's nothing wrong with being a biker. I'm not saying that, but there were some clubs that were just not safe or not good. And they, you know, and people go back in with the gospel because they've been changed and they change people's lives. Because they have that anointing and they're going in. Their grave clothes have been taken off them and they're going to help other people find freedom. We are supposed to help each other. We are made to help and bear each other's burdens and to pray and to help. At the end of the chapter, John tells us this miracle, the raising of Lazarus, confirmed the plot the Jews had to kill Jesus. That's 1153. They begin to plot Jesus' death. The Roman Empire, and if you think about it, and all the, there was so much at stake, nobody was living the way that Jesus wanted them to live, or many weren't. And they didn't like his teachings because they were different from how they were living. It would force them, challenge them to change. But they're not going to rest now until they kill him. Caiaphas prophesied, not knowing how true this was, and you can look at it in John eleven fifty 50 through 52. He's saying things. He doesn't did you know that God can use ungodly people to tell you things that God wants to get out? He really can. He, he uses Caiaphas here. Caiaphas is thinking politically, so he's saying some statements. He's thinking, but actually, he's, he's really talking spiritually. If you read that scripture, he's talking spiritually. He thinks he's doing in his own mind, and God is just saying, I got this. So where does that leave you? In this whole pandemic that everybody is walking through where are you it would be nice to just be able to zap ourselves somewhere and anybody besides me just think back when before this ever happened But we have a world now that is saying, what are the Christians doing? And they might not be saying it vocally. Some of them are. But I think our representation out of this chapter is crucial. 
We should love. But we should live by example to the best of our ability. Doesn't mean you got to be perfect. But it means you can help somebody. And I'm going to share something and then I'm going to close. And that's not just a preacher statement. I, I am going to close. <laughs> so that you know. But we have to be aware of what God is saying to us. We just came off of seven days of power fast that ended yesterday at midnight. And, and I hope the Lord, and I believe he, he's talked to you or going to share some other things the rest of this year. Because you have fasted a first portion of this year. But the Lord, would, he would deal with me on things like this. I would be sitting at the house and I would hear the chainsaw running when we were living in town years ago. Kim and I were first married. And it would be my neighbor. And he was outside. The tree had fallen and, you know, and, or whatever. I would just go and I would just help him. Or shoveling. I would just go help him. I wouldn't, listen to what I'm saying. I wouldn't preach to him. I would just go help him. Isn't that what love does? And I wouldn't have to tell him the gospel. He was seeing the gospel. We did that with our neighbors. We, the same house, I would cook out on the grill, and every time I'd cook out, I'd see a, the one neighbor. I, I want to say his name was Doug. Uh, and uh, I would just cook him a burger for him and his wife, and I'd just take a couple burgers over. And he, First, he was like, oh, man, don't, don't be doing that. And I'm like, dude. I mean, I'm cooking anyway. I had some leftover meat. I mean, if you don't want them, I'll go eat them myself. Does this body need to eat more burgers? So because he wanted to help me with my grave clothes, he took them. Now, he, he went ahead and he would take them. And then pretty soon he loved that fact. Well, then he began to wave at me. We would leave and I would see him. He'd wave at me and we had a garage sale, and he, he was adamant about not being in church, adamant about not talking about God, adamant about nothing with Jesus, nothing like that. So I was adamant about just showing him and not saying it. We had a garage sale, and he'd wave, and I said, hey, Doug. And I remember him coming over and said, hey, help me. What would you price some of this stuff at? I mean, I don't know. And he, you know, but again, my motive was I'm wanting him to see something he can't see right now. I'm wanting him to see something that he already formed an opinion on that I can break that mold. I can roll that stone away and let something come out of there that he wasn't expecting. That's your job. In this pandemic, and I'm, I'm praying that we're hopefully on the end of it, but you know, the, here's the thing. We have Jesus. We have the best antidote there is. Let's hold him close. Let's hold him tight. Let's listen with our spirit. Let's connect. Because there's people in your neighborhood. There's people in your town. There's people in your family. And you yourself. We probably all have some type of grave clothes that we need. Just God help me with that. Help me get that off. Or that something the enemy just keeps trying to throw back on you. You know what I'm saying? You got rid of it, but he's like, oh, try that. And you're like, I'm not trying that. But it's our job as disciples of Christ. They will know we are Christians by our love. And I'm telling you, for such a time as this, there's Lazarus happenings all around where you live. And God is waiting on you to say, Father, you hear me. 
You always hear me. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? Father, in the name of Jesus, 